This is Christ, Culture, and Coffee, a podcast designed to help equip Christians to be able to defend their faith and be confident in their faith. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Christ, Culture, and Coffee. Thank you for joining us on this week's episode. I'm your host, Tyler Hurley, here with Robbie Lashua. Hello, Christ, Culture, and Coffee listeners. How's it going? We hope that this is uh, your, you know, 10 hundredth time of listening to the show. But if it's not, yeah. and it's your first, we welcome you. We're glad that you're here uh, checking out our podcast. Yeah, and if it is your first time, uh, you may, may want to go back a couple episodes because we are currently in a series right now on context mm-hmm. in which we are investigating how to study Scripture on a correct basis and interpret the text. Yeah. So before we get into uh, any of our content, we always start off every episode with a coffee tip because it's Christ Culture and coffee. That's right. So we put the coffee right up front. You notice I have my coffee mug here. I've got some good coffee in it. I love, we we love coffee. We do love we coffee. We do love it. So uh, today's coffee tip, are you ready for this, Tyler? Yes. So there have been studies done that show Drinking a little bit of coffee or espresso prior to your workout actually improves your workout. Interesting. Now, a lot of people have thought that it's not good to drink before you know, you're know you exercising because coffee dehydrates you. But the scientific evidence has proven that actually the benefit you get from the caffeine helps you to have more stamina when you're working out. Mm, gives you okay. more energy to run longer. gives you more energy to lift longer. And it's actually beneficial to you to have a shot of espresso or uh, you know half a cup of coffee prior to working out. Yeah, so maybe just drink a coffee before you work out and then mm-hmm. chug water along through it or yeah, after. Yeah, absolutely. You're you going to be thirsty during it. Yeah, yeah so yeah. you might as well keep hydrating, right? So there you go. That's a great tip because some of you may remember this, but we talked on the show, I think a few episodes back where mm-hmm. we said that uh, we had a tip that coffee actually doesn't dehydrate you like yeah. everybody thinks it does. Yep. Kind of like an old wives tale, I guess. Yeah, it is an old wives tale. That's for sure. There's water in coffee. Yeah, there is. So yeah, how much caffeine or how much would have to counteract the yeah, water intake? Yeah, that's so kind of, it's it like, it's weird. I, I think people think of it as like a, I don't know, like like how you ha- have negative calories when you eat celery. But coffee doesn't work like that. You're nope. getting hydrated while you're consuming it you so. are yep but it also helps you with exercise so it's so crazy because I, re- I remember I was I was looking for these tips you know and I found this tip right, yeah. for this week and um I remember back to in college I had I was the only guy with an espresso machine in my dorm room <laughs> so like it was super nice. popular guys would always come hey can you make me this can you make me that you know I'd make lattes and stuff and so this one guy would always come into my room before he went to work out mm. and he said can I just have a shot of espresso Sure. And give it to him and he'd like, you know, drink it down. <laughs> and then he'd go, he'd go hit the weights. And he claimed it really helped him work out more. Well, yeah. And I yeah. always thought, okay, whatever. But science backs it up now that, you know, what, what this dude was doing a long time ago actually it does work. Yeah. Well, I know some people that uh, don't make wise choices with that. There was a, so I, I used to run in a track and cross country back uh-huh. in high school. And there was a kid on our team who uh, he he would chug a Red Bull before the races. I, <laughs> no, I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. But the crazy oh, thing that's is, gross. yeah, so it would either make or break him. Like, he'd have all this energy right before, and he would either, like, go on full-on sprint and, do like, do super well. Yeah. Or he would, he would like, burn out and feel sick and gross throughout the whole time. <clears throat> either way, half the time he would throw up after the race because yeah. he just, that's well, what he did. Aren't uh, energy drinks like Red Bull, isn't that carbonated? It is, yeah. It can't be good to drink a whole no, bunch of carbonation right before running. And we running. told him that. We're like, yeah. dude, you can't do that. It's going to ruin no. you. So, but coffee, I mean, I don't know. Even taking a run, I don't, I would just do water for running. Yeah. 
unless you do it like hours before, but working out in general, yeah. I think coffee is just such a good solution to help you get that energy going. It is. Yep. Yeah. And it's, and it's kind of a healthy solution, especially when you compare yeah, it to energy it drinks and all that kind of stuff. So, so anyway, that's the coffee tip for today. If you're going to go hit the gym, have a half a cup of coffee or a shot of espresso before you get there and see if it benefits. And if it does, let us know about it. Let us know what your experience was with it. So we can see if this coffee tip is true to life. Yes. Be our guinea pigs. Please test this out. Please and let us know. be our coffee bar. Barbell guinea pigs. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Now on to the content for today. Um, so again, just to recap, as we have been doing each of these past weeks, we've been talking about context. Mm-hmm. Okay. So it's uh, um, it, the idea of context is each letter stands for a different way of how to interpret scripture. And yeah. we're breaking those down for you guys. Uh, so I'm going to read through them briefly real quick. So it's uh, the f- first I'm going to go through each letter. It says, um, so we have crowd, that's C, meaning audience. Then we have occasion, historical background, name, author, time, or the date, echoes, repeated words, explanation, word studies, text says, observation, like what does the text say? And then says to me, mm-hmm. application. So, so that's contexts. That is what we are focused on. It's to break down the ways that we need to look at scripture to understand it and study it. Yep. And these are, there's a lot of um, different ways to say these words. And the reason that we put it in an acronym context is so Mm -hmm. you can remember it. Yeah. Um, Because one of the things that I've noticed in my life is like, because I've read a ton of books on apologetics and studied and got degrees and like, I love this stuff. Right. But I don't remember a lot of it. Oh, for sure. I'm like, yeah. oh, yeah, back in the day, I remember I kind of studied that idea and I got to go like, you know, rehash it and, and relearn it a lot of times. And so yeah. I've developed in my own life, like if, if there's easy ways to remember stuff, it really helps me. If I'm always needing to give a defense for the hope that I have or if I'm needing to remember how to study scripture well, it really benefits me to have a, a mnemonic device yeah. So I can yeah. recall this stuff. And so that's one of the reasons for these. Like I personally think like this when I'm studying scripture so yeah, I can remember yeah. what to be looking for. And now there's a ton of other things to look for. And there's whole books and classes and courses on on uh, interpreting scripture and hermeneutics. But I think these ones are the kind of the important ones and kind of like the, the starter ones. Like, oh, I man, this is a that. good way to kind of uh, have, have a catalyst into interpreting scripture well. But I put it yeah. in this in this in this uh, acronym. So it's easy for me to remember. Right. Yeah. And maybe I think a good way of uh, studying this, too, is like if you memorize it even right now, write this stuff down because you could end up even forgetting it later. And so that way it's important that you remember what each letter stands for in the context that we're going over. Yeah, just even in your Bible, like on one of the pages, you know, in the index or whatever, just write context and write write these things. You're allowed to. Yes. Yes. Oh, wow. I think so. I didn't know that. Yeah. Well, you should start. (laughs) You can get colored pencils and everything. It's good. No, it's so important. Yeah. It's great. Take notes in your Bible. Take notes yep. along with your Bible studying because it's important that we are studying God's word this way. It is. So context. Today we are yeah. focusing. We've already done crowd. We've done occasion. We've done name. We've done time. Today we are focusing on echoes. Yes. Echoes. E. Repeated phrases. Repeated words. Repeated concepts. Right. What mm-hmm. are the patterns we're seeing in the scriptures? Yes, exactly. And so that's what we're focusing on today. The importance of patterns in scripture. Scripture, like, and this is kind of fun because yeah. this one is like uh, it's we all are, we're always looking for patterns to be honest like it's kind of how we're wired as human yeah. beings but it's fun to open your Bible and say okay I'm gonna go on a pattern hunt 
Yeah, what yeah. do I see in this chapter? What do you I know, see? This, in this is portion? something that doesn't take as much effort to look for. No, it doesn't. Because uh, the other stuff we've been talking about, like some of it, you got to do a little digging, right? Yep. Like especially uh, a couple weeks ago when we did historical background, like a lot of people wouldn't know that yeah, about that's a lot of extra work. Yeah, about like burial ceremonies and stuff. And <laughs> yeah. I recommend you go back and listen to that if you haven't already. Uh, but yeah, like this is a lot easier because you can just look at the text at face value. Yeah, you, really and you can. can see it just in your Bible. Yeah, you don't have to have yeah. any outside references. You can go through and do a pattern hunt. Yes, so this one will be hopefully a little bit of a lighter load for you guys, uh, a little bit easier. Uh, So repetition, that's the the goal here of what we're looking for. Um, Repetition is a common form of emphasis that we see in scripture. It's Mm -hmm. all over the place. Um, Well, we see it like in our everyday lives. Oh, of course we we, do. This is how humans kind of communicate on on a certain level. Yeah, like, uh, I mean... For example, we have statements like, uh, oh, this ice cream cone wasn't just big. It was really, really big. And see, yeah. like, see what does that mean when you say really twice? Yeah, yeah. well, it's it just to drive emphasis on it, right? Yep. Or this person, they, they did a really, like, a bad, bad thing or something like that. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it sounds yeah. silly. No, it's, it's true. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sounds like a like silly, that. silly thing. But yeah. <laughs> we emphasize. We repeat words to add emphasis to what we're saying. Yes, right? that's exactly yeah, the case. It wasn't just huge. It was huge, huge. Yeah, was, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah, there you go. That's how it is. So uh, repeated phrases, too. That's something that we use a lot in culture. But um, I'm going to go over just an, a quick example of this. Uh, we see this in Psalm 136, mm-hmm. uh, just an easy one to spot. I'm going to read through just verses 1 through 5. Um, it says, Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his loving kindness is everlasting. Give thanks to the Lord, the God, God of gods, for his loving kindness is everlasting. Mm-hmm. Give thanks to the Lord of lords, for his loving kindness is everlasting. To him who alone does great wonders, for his loving kindness is everlasting. To him who made the heavens with skill, for his loving kindness is everlasting. So uh, I, I could keep going. Is this a Hillsong worship song? Yeah, right. It, no, 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 Robbie. It's, it's just the bridge. That's oh, it's just the bridge. Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> no, so that's what it is. So... Um, uh, this goes on for 26 times in this passage. It, it just brings that up. His For his love and kindness is everlasting, right? So there we have a repeated phrase. Yes, a repeated over phrase. Over and over and over. Every verse says this in that song. Exactly. So you got to think, okay, well, why is it saying it over and over and over again? They're not trying to annoy you. What's the author? <laughs> yeah, so what's the author trying to do? Yeah, they're trying to bring attention to something. Mm-hmm. That's what you got to look for. And that's huge because yeah. maybe he's trying to bring emphasis to this idea that his loving kindness is everlasting. Or some translations really? no. <laughs> translate it that his love endures forever, right? That's yeah. the song version of it. Uh, that's the NIV version is that of it. The Chris Tomlin Chris Tomlin song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah Give thanks right. to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. Yeah, it's great. <clears throat> so this idea from the psalmist of God's loving kindness is everlasting. It doesn't wear out, right? And because of that, we should give thanks. We should give thanks to him who did all this stuff. Mm. We should... Remember, his loving kindness is forever. Yeah, this is like a really cool repeated phrase to emphasize the fact that God doesn't run out of love for us. Yeah. And and that's a huge concept, right? That's a really important deal. And the psalmist, when he was writing this, wanted to emphasize that God's love doesn't run out. Well, see, you got to think it through like that. Like, see, that seems such like such an easy thing to spot at face value. Like, of course, that's what he's saying. Mm -hmm. But but you got to like really sit. And, and dwell on that. Like, why is he repeating it over and over? When you when you realize it, it's because 
it's so important that he's getting the message across that, yes, God's love is everlasting, and that's something that's important for us to know theologically. Yep. And so that when you see a repeated phrase like that in Psalm 136, what you can conclude is that the key theme of Psalm 136 is that God's loving kindness is everlasting. Yes. Look, that's look at that. the key theme yeah. of that psalm. Right? And see, easy. It is Super yeah, easy not hard to spot, pretty simple. And in the Psalms, you see this a lot where there's repeated phrases, repeated words. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> so I, I think that that is a fun way to study the Bible. Like open up your Bible and look for repetition, either in phrases or in words or in concepts. So that's a phrase that's pretty easy to see because it's literally every yeah, other line. Yeah. It's every verse. Let's talk about repeated words. Uh, scripture has times where they repeat words multiple times, two or three times in a row to make emphasis on what's being said. So I, I grabbed a couple of verses here that will probably be familiar to most of our listeners. Isaiah 6.1, uh, this is when Isaiah was caught up into heaven and he's in the temple of God. And it talks about how there were angels and they were flying around the Lord. And he said, they repeated, quote, this is Isaiah 6.1, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Interesting. That's another Chris Tomlin song, by the way. It is, yeah. <laughs> Man, he loved this stuff, right? Chris Tomlin liked repetitive words. Old Testament phrases of worship. Yeah. 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 And it worked. So holy, holy, holy. Three holies in a row. What are they, What's that trying to communicate to us? Hmm. He's not just holy. And he's not just holy, holy. He's three. Right? Yeah. The, the number of the Trinity. Well, God even. is often the referred to as number. the holy yeah. of holies, which is saying like, yeah, like he is the... The bigger than even Beyond everything holy. else that is holy. Yeah. yeah, it's giving exclamation points to this, right. which is important that, that, because they didn't have it. punctuation. That's actually that's a great way of stating that. Yeah, it's giving emphasis. It's giving punctuation. It's giving exclamation. It's saying this is a huge deal. You got to understand, mm. holy, holy, holy is Yahweh of hosts. Big deal, Isaiah six one. Now, Revelation, who which was written by John, Revelation four eight. There's a scene in heaven. And he says there were these angels, and it's the ones that have the, the wings and the eyes all around them, right? And he mm. says they were saying day and night, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God, the Almighty, who was and who is and who is to come. Yeah. So kind of the same scene, actually, which is interesting. There's continuity between what Isaiah saw in heaven and what John saw in heaven. Yeah. But holy, 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 the emphasis on God's holiness. So these verses emphasize, and it's, it's, it's easy to see, it's almost trivial, right? Mm-hmm. But sometimes we can get so used to this that we, we disregard what the authors are trying to do with the repetition. When they repeat this phrase multiple times, they're trying to draw our focus to the holiness of God. And so when we read these verses, we can say that is an emphasis in this passage. That is an emphasis in this verse. Mm. Maybe it's an emphasis in the entire book. Do we see that repeated? So so does Isaiah repeat holy, holy, holy in other places in his book? In Revelation, is it repeated other places? These are the kinds of questions that we want to ask. But but by repeating it, it's like in our vernacular – like I said, it's an exclamation point. It's all caps. Yeah, exactly. It's, hey, draw your attention. Listen up here. The big deal. And then they repeat. So yeah. looking for patterns of repetition really helps us to come away with what the emphasis of the author is. Yeah, that's how we focus in on the meaning more. Yep. And so something else that we can look at is the book of John for this, because there's something that's brought up 
constantly throughout mm-hmm. the book of John that I think we can uh, gather an idea of what the overall uh, idea of the book is. And, yeah, uh, so we could yeah. do this for a specific psalm, like with the phrases in, one, of course, in Psalm 136, yeah. but we can also do it with repeated words back to back to back, like holy, 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 but you can also zoom out and say, okay, what repetitions do I see in this entire book of the Bible? Yeah, yeah. Right? Or Not just you can even zoom out passage. and say this entire author. What are the repetitious themes of all of Paul's writings? What are the repetitions yeah, of all of John's What's writings? the pattern? Yeah. What keeps coming yeah, up? Yeah, so let's look at how we do that with the Gospel of John. Yeah, and so what I'm going to read for you guys here just to open up is uh, this is often referred to as the thesis of John, the, mm-hmm. uh, the purpose statement uh, of what the Gospel is. And I'm going to read from John 20, 30 through 30. It says, therefore, many other signs Jesus also performed in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book, but these have been written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. So this is interesting. So some miracles were written down to witness the fact that Jesus is the Messiah, the Christ, and that you may believe he is a Messiah. And through believing, you may have life in his name, mm-hmm. right? So the verb believe or uh, pistio, I think I'm pronouncing pistuo, that correctly. Yeah, yep. Pistuo, is repeated in the gospel of John 98 times. And that's, that's the word believe, right? And so that's what we're seeing very frequently. And we see that too, all like it's just throughout the whole book. Yeah. And so now here's the thing. Yeah. So, so when we're studying and even in this, in this passage, you just read John 20, 30 through 31, let's look Yeah, let's and look. see how many, does he repeat the word believe? These are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and by believing you may have life in his name. So he repeats the word believe twice. Mm-hmm. Within those two verses. Yeah, that's very brief. It's just back to back. Like, mm-hmm. there's there's not much of a gap there. So, so we would say, mm-hmm. okay, there's a pattern there. Yeah, um, yeah. But then, like you said, this word is repeated how many times in the book of John? Uh, yeah, in 98. Some well, say 100. Yeah, so here's yeah. the thing. 98 to 100. Well, who cares? What does that mean? Like, how how can I... Is that significant? Is that a lot or is that a little? Oh, how would we figure that out? Well, yeah. Well, I would say if... It would be significant, I think, first off, by comparison to the other passages, although we know it's significant because you look at the other Gospels and you see how often that it's used, right? Yeah, that's a good way to figure it out. Yeah, that's exactly How often do Matthew, Mark, and Luke use this word? Mm-hmm. In comparison with how many times John uses, yeah, it. and I think that's because Matthew way of uses it five hundred times. Of course, yeah, it's not really that big of an emphasis. Yes, John, exactly. Right? Like it might be an emphasis to us, yeah, but like to compare to just any other writing, yeah. So let's investigate. How, let's investigate. Let's that, talk yeah. about like the other gospels. How often do they use the word believe? Yeah, well, well this is significant because you combine all of uh, the synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, mm-hmm. and it's only found thirty-four times total. 34 times in each book? No, between all books. Wow. Yeah, so in each book of Matthew, it's found 11 times, Mark 14 times, and Luke 9 times. Okay, so, So, wow, so, okay, let me look at that. So Mark 14, you said? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's the second largest to John, right? Mark comes in second place with how many times he uses the verb believe, and it's a 14. Yeah. And then you said John uses it 98 to 100 times. Yeah, that's that's a big difference. That's a big difference. (laughs) Yeah, that's a huge difference. Yeah, so you got to think, okay, there's something different going on here that he's trying to emphasize, different than the rest of the gospel authors. Yeah, uh, he's emphasizing this way more than the other guys. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we really need to look into the text and see what what's going on. I mean, it's Why like is nine this? times as much. Yeah. 
Jeez Louise. Yeah, that's exactly right. Okay. So, so, so he says it in his thesis statement. But mm-hmm. then we also see this pattern of it repeated all throughout the gospel. Yeah, we do. Uh, it's even repeated, uh, like emphasis placed on by how often Jesus, uh, sorry, John repeats that word. Like mm-hmm. the emphasis is clear. Yeah. We see the emphasis in the purpose statement, but we also see it sprinkled all the way through. Exactly. Okay. Yes. Well, so th- this is what's interesting is now we have seen a repeated pattern in the gospel. 98 times the word believe is said. Um, But when you look at some of the verses that say believe, you can see another repeated pattern. So what is believe connected to? We see a repetition of a concept through the repetition of the word. Yeah. So this is cool. So I want to read some of these verses where we see this. Um, So in John 3, 14 through 15, it says, As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. So that whoever believes, okay, so there's a repeated word. Yep, believes. Whoever believes will in him have eternal life. Okay. Yeah. So believes. Okay. John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. Wait a second. Now I'm seeing another repeated pattern. Believe is connected to eternal life in it John is. 3, 14 through 15, and it's connected to eternal life in John 3, 16. Believe, eternal life, believe, eternal life. Well, let's keep going. John 5, 24. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and does not come into judgment, but is passed out of death into life. There yeah. it is again. Believe is connected with eternal life. Right. And then we even see another repeated phrase there, right? Truly, truly. Yeah. So there's, see. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so there's emphasis given on to this because any time that you see uh, Jesus say, Jesus says this quite a bit, actually. Yeah. A lot. Throughout John, he says it multiple times. He does. And that's because every time he's saying truly, truly, he's trying to bring emphasis. He's yeah. saying... This is true. Yeah, pay attention. Pay attention. Listen up. Like, this yeah. is a big deal. Yeah. And it's kind of what we were talking about. Again, you got to think of it as they didn't have punctuation in the yeah. writing. So they when didn't you're have reading all caps. it, this is what was happening. Yeah. yeah. Yep. So there we have it again. But within that, we see believe connected with eternal life. John 640. Jesus mm. says, for this is the will of my father, that everyone who beholds the son and believes in him will have eternal life. There it is again. Believes have eternal life. John 6, 47. Truly, truly. There it is again. Yeah. Truly, truly, right? Truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes has eternal life. There it is again. Believe connected to eternal life. John eleven twenty five through 26. This is when Jesus is speaking to Martha. Now, this is interesting. All of these uh, verses we've been reading are on the lips of Jesus. Yeah. So this is John quoting Jesus, right? All of them. John eleven twenty five through 26, Jesus said to her, Martha, I'm the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies. And everyone who believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Believe is used multiple times there. Believe is used multiple times and it's connected to what? Living, not dying. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. So there's this repeated concept from seeing a repeated word Mm. that believe is a huge theme throughout the Gospel of John and believe is connected with eternal life over and over and over again, just like the thesis says. I wrote these down that you may believe he is the Messiah and by believing, what do you have? 
eternal life. life. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, we see this yeah. key theme repeated over and over and over and over throughout the entire book, mm. which makes me think, man, this is probably an important emphasis that John is making. Of course, yeah. With his yeah. book. Maybe this is kind of the purpose of why he's writing his book. Exactly. And that's the goal here is he's talking about the gospel. And we want to understand the key themes. We want to be able to 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 dissect, okay, what is important? Why did they write? And looking for repeated forms and repeated phrases and words helps us in that. Echoes, right? Yes, what, it does. what is echoing throughout this passage, and how can that inform me to what the key themes are? Yes, exactly. Uh, another interesting thing, though, that we can look at is there's a pattern of something that's missing from the book of John. And okay. now, now, what that thing is, is the words repent in repentance. Okay. They are not mentioned in the gospel of John even once. Hmm. Isn't that fascinating? That is fascinating. Because, because of course we know like, like throughout other like ideas in from other gospel writers that repentance is important, right? Sure. They, yeah. Matthew, yeah. Mark, and Luke all say repentance. Exactly. Repent, yeah. Yep. Uh, but the, the question we need to ask is why doesn't John write about it? Right? Mm. Why doesn't John write about the words repent or write the words repent or repentance? Yeah, because they're not even found once in the entire book. Because all that he's driving emphasis on is believe and eternal life. Hmm. That's it. Now, that's interesting because we see the word believe used in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Yeah. But we don't see the word repentant or repent or repentance used in. John at all. Mm. So yeah, what is that? Now, again, we're not here to tell you what that means, exactly. but right. it is an important observation of the text. We're looking for a pattern of what's repeated. Yeah. Yeah. But then if you look at the other gospels, you see an absence of a word that they that's talked right. about as being important. That's exactly so the case. What does that inform us to? What does that mean? How does that help us to think through what is being emphasized? Yeah. And, and something else that's interesting about this is John is also the author of Revelation. Yes. Uh, and yep. what's interesting is he mentions repentance 12 times in Revelation. So he mm. understands the concept. He of knows re- what it is. Yeah. <laughs> that, that, that tells us. It's like, not like okay, he didn't know the word. Exactly. Yeah. And, and that's something that's important to note. So it's like, okay, well, he knows then about repentance. He knows the idea idea of it. He knows the word. Why doesn't he use it? That's, yeah, a, that's an important question. It's, 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 uh, mysteriously absent from the gospel and it seems intentional. Yes. Yes. And so, why? right. And so uh, we're going to get into an, another concept just to help us, uh, try to figure this out and investigate further. Um, so this phrase is, it's called inclusio. And now I'm, I'm going to kind of give the idea about here. So an inclusion is a literary device that repeats words or themes at the beginning and end of a section to kind of form it uh, like brackets in a section, kind of mm-hmm. kind of like a sandwich. It's the bread of a sandwich, yeah. right? It's like it's like a, I've heard it described too, like an inclusio yeah. is like bookends on on a bookshelf, and then all the books in the middle are on the same topic. Exactly, right? it's kind yeah. of like a sec- section markers or like brackets, but it's used through repeated words, repeated phrases, repeated concepts. Yes, to kind of bracket it in, yeah, to help you understand what it, it's it's kind of in the terms of like a like your thesis right it's like yeah. it's similar to that and the Somewhat, essence and of that you can see like mm-hmm. it's interesting because you can see inclusios happen um where the author you know how like in our bibles we have like um you know there's like headings about what the next yeah. section's yeah. about well those aren't original to the text we added those of to course. help people have quick reference mm-hmm. um but but they would put inclusios in to kind of bracket off sections yeah yeah and what it what it's emphasizing is okay everything in between this section 
has to do with these bracketed phrases I'm talking about. So I'm explaining to yeah. you the interior, what these phrases are, and then I'm telling you when it starts and I'm telling you when it's over. So sometimes when you look for repeated words or phrases or concepts, you should ask, wait a second, is this an inclusio? <laughs> yeah. Am I seeing bookends here? And the middle is kind of uh, expounding on the idea of these phrases or concepts. Yeah, exactly. So an example of this, a very easy example to see, is in Psalm 8. So I'm not going to read the entire psalm, but I want to I wanna show how there's an inclusio in Psalm 8. So Psalm 8, verse 1 says, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Then it goes on to say, uh, who have displayed your splendor above the heavens from the mouth of infants and nursing babes. You've established strength because of your adversaries to make the enemy and re the revengeful cease. When I consider your heavens, the works of your fingers, the moon, the stars, which you've ordained on and on and on. Right. Mm -hmm. But then it ends. Verse nine of Psalm eight is the end of the chapter or the end of the psalm. And it says, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Exact same phrase that starts the psalm, ends the psalm. This mm. is textbook inclusio. So what he's showing is this is what it's about, that our Lord's name is majestic in all the earth, and then the middle is explaining that. Yeah, that's, that's probably on one that. of the most easy examples that we can see today, yeah. uh, just because it, it, he literally just repeats the exact same phrase. Yeah, it's very yeah. simple to see. So if you look for this pattern of repetition throughout the Bible, you're going to find inclusios all over the place. Yeah, And it's really yeah. fun. It's really fun to see it because then you can understand what's being explained. So think about this. Without verse 1 and verse 9 of Psalm 8, hmm. we could read, you know, you've displayed your splendor above the heavens, from the mouth of infants nursing babies, you've established strength, right? Um uh, when I consider your heavens, the wonders of your fingers, the moon, the stars, which you've ordained, what is man that you take thought of him? Hmm. We could read all of that and, and it's good, but we wouldn't understand what the writer is emphasizing. Yeah. Yeah. So he tells us, this is the point. Oh Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name? Yeah. You, you kind of have to make assumptions based yeah. off of the text, which, which it's fine. Like you could probably still get the message. Like clearly he's talking about, I mean, especially in verse five, he says, and you crown him with glory and majesty and like, like you make him rule over the works of your hands. Like, yeah. so you're like, okay, this sounds like he's giving praise to, to God, to for God. what he's made. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But the emphasis isn't on just you're great because of what you made. It's you're great and your name's majestic throughout all the earth, and we can see it. Yeah, because and he's here's saying, how we see it. He's saying you're not just great because you created. Your creation amplifies the fact that you were great. Yep. That that's really what he's trying to and hone in on. We'd kind of be missing that point. You would, if yeah. He didn't tell us this phrase at the beginning and the end. So mm -hmm. you should look for repeated phrases or concepts or words to see if they form an inclusio in the text. And this is in the Old Testament and it's in the New Testament. It's a really cool literary device to help us understand the structure of what's being emphasized. Yeah, yeah. And, and it comes so through cool. repetition. Yeah. yeah, they're really cool. So one of my favorites is this. And again, maybe this is debated as I don't know if it's an inclusio. Sure. I think it is. Uh, but if I get to heaven, God's like, Ravi, that wasn't really an inclusio. Okay. But this is fascinating to me. Um, the Gospel of Matthew. Mm -hmm. All right. The very beginning of Matthew, Matthew chapter 1, verse 23, uh, he's talking about Jesus' birth, right? That's where the birth one of the birth narratives yeah, is. right. And he's talking about Jesus being born of Mary. And he says that it was... Um, 
she was a virgin, and this was to fulfill the Old Testament prophet. Mm-hmm. And he, he quotes Isaiah. So this is Matthew one twenty three. Behold, the virgin shall be with child and shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. So yeah. the 23rd verse, the very beginning of this book, it's 28 chapters long. So this is the relative very beginning of the book. Oh, yeah. He emphasizes Emmanuel, God with us, by quoting Isaiah. And then we know, you know, Jesus grows up in the Sermon on the Mount and mm-hmm. all of this stuff throughout the book. Crucifixion, resurrection, ascension. Well, I don't yeah. think he actually ascends in Matthew. I think it's an Acts, but that's okay. We well, know it's yeah, coming. Yeah, <laughs> yeah sure. <laughs> but so we know it's throughout the Gospel of Matthew. The story Par- is being told. Parables. <laughs> yeah, the story is being told of Jesus. But he says at the very beginning, his name is Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. The very last words of the Gospel, and we're all very familiar with this because it's the Great Commission, right? Yeah. Matthew twenty-eight verses nineteen through twenty. But look, look at what it says. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded. And this is the very last phrase of the book of Matthew. Yeah. Jesus says, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Wait a second. Hmm. And the, the, the book starts off with Emmanuel, God with us. The book ends with I am with you always. Yeah, and you know what's you know what's fascinating about that too. It just just thinking about like I am with you, so like like literally meaning He is with you all the time. Like it's repeating the fact that He is God. That's what is happening. It's exactly. Yeah. So and Matthew portrays Jesus as being God by He's prayed to, He's worshipped, all these other things. Yeah. But. Is this an inclusio that he starts off with Emmanuel, God with us? He ends his book with, and I'm with you always. With Jesus saying, yeah. I am with you. Yeah. Intending to say Jesus is God. Well, yes, yeah. but also even at the beginning, like when he says the virgin shall be with exactly. child, he's talking about Jesus. Of so course, At the yeah. very beginning, he says that this is Emmanuel, God with us. And then he exactly. ends it with, he's with us. So is the book mm-hmm. of Matthew an inclusio that's describing and explaining how God is with us. Well, I, I think it, it, it's very likely that it is. Mm-hmm. That would make so much sense because... It makes emphasis, yeah. Yeah, the emphasis, especially that he's bringing in a quote from Jesus himself to end it on. Mm-hmm. He's saying, look, don't just take it from me uh, of that, like, from what I wrote in the beginning that God is with us, like, he, he is Emmanuel, God with us. He himself yeah. is saying, I am with you. This is always. the last thing he said before he left. Yeah. Yeah. That's a big deal. I think so. And I think that this is a pattern of a repeated concept that we see in the Gospel of Matthew, yes. which should make us go, okay, maybe we should look in the interior of Matthew, in between the bookends, to see how he emphasizes that God is with us. Yeah. And you can see a lot of patterns of this. Uh, Jesus um, multiplies food, right? Yeah. Bread and fish. He multiplies it and feeds 5,000 people. Who can do that? God, because God is with us, right? He calms the storm in the sea. Well, who can do that? God, because God is with us. I think that is an emphasis of the book of Matthew, the fact that God came and is with us. Yeah. He's not yeah. far apart. He's not far off. He's close. He's, he's imminent. He's here. And um, he interacts in human history to be with us. Yeah, that's fantastic. But if you're not looking for repetition, 
you're not going to see these types of things embedded in the text. Yeah, because look at how important that that is now. Now we understand a further, more in-depth concept of what Matthew was trying to say. Mm-hmm. The whole point that he's getting across is Jesus is God with us. Yep. And and it's interesting, yeah. too. So now even, okay, if, if that's there, which I think it is, and that's a concept of the book of Matthew. Now, again, that's not all that Matthew's about, but it's a theme. Right, yeah. Um, now, why is that important? Well, because especially for a Jewish audience who Matthew is writing to, um, the idea of God being with them wasn't really uh, something that they believed. Because yeah. in order for them to be with God or in a decent relationship with God, they had to go to the priest with the sacrifice to bring, you know, and then they'd sacrifice it in the temple. And still there's separation between where God's at in the Holy of Holies. Yeah. There's a curtain and then there's the holy place outside of that where priests can only go. So people aren't even with God's presence in Old Testament Judaism. And yeah. he's saying, listen, this is a different thing because instead of us trying to approach God and appease him through our stupid and and um, small sacrifices that won't yeah, appease, right. he came here to be the sacrifice so that we could be with him. Well, and that makes sense because Matthew's whole focus, uh, you see a, another kind of a repetition thing throughout the passage is he focuses in a lot on Old Testament law. Oh, yeah. And he in- integrates that into the gospel and says, like, hey, like, this is what it is now. Mm-hmm. And so uh, for you to, to take a step, for us to take a step back and see that it, the idea that he's pushing here is that Jesus is God with us. Mm-hmm. Because he's talking to a Jewish audience. Again, see, like we're kind of incorporating a few things here. It's also audience and yeah, a little the crowd, bit of right? Who's yeah. this too? Yeah. Yeah, because he's talking to a Jew- Jewish audience. Uh, it hones in on that idea. Like, yes, he wants you to understand the concept Jesus is God's. Mm-hmm sacrifice God with us. That's yep. who Jesus is. Another thing too, is if, if you, if you take this idea of God with us and you put it in the sermon on the Mount, Jesus starts off that sermon by saying, you've heard it said, but I say to you, yeah. you've heard it said, and he quotes Moses, but I'm telling you, right. You've heard it said, don't commit adultery. But I tell you, every man who's lusted has already committed adultery in his heart. He takes it further. Yeah. He's claiming to be God with us by saying, I have more of the law to explain to you. Yeah. Interesting, right? And so, but it makes sense within the context of God with us. The book ends and here he is, Jesus coming down and telling us what the kingdom of heaven's law looks like, showing us that he can control nature, showing us that he Mm. can multiply food, right? All of these things. And then showing us that he's the ultimate sacrifice that the curtain is torn in the Holy of Holies. Now we have direct access to God with us. It's a yeah. cool concept. like, And so it, it really does help you to see the point of what Matthew is trying to emphasize. Oh, for sure. For Repetition, sure. echoes. What's echoing, right? It's a fun exercise to read and to look for these patterns yes. in Scripture. Yeah. And so, uh, I, again, I think that this just is super helpful, um, just continuing in our patterns here that we find through uh, um, context and studying Scripture more in depth to understand the meaning. Um, so again, I, I'm just going to kind of recap what the contexts are. Yeah, again, we want to remember this, right? Yeah, so what is the acronym? Just like we talked about, it's something that we need to remember. This yep. is something we need to repeat for ourselves. Yes. Uh, context, right? Crowd, audience, O, occasion, uh, or historical background, N, name, author, T is time, date, echoes, which is the letter E, repeated words, explanation, the letter X, 
T, text says, or observation. And then S, says to me, application. So that's context. That's what we are going over because it's important that we investigate scripture and we study it more in depth. Yeah. And so again, I just hope that this podcast has been encouraging to you guys. This particular series uh, we find is very important for our listeners. It's important for us all Mm -hmm. to be investigating God's word more in depth. And it's a little bit differently from a lot of, uh, uh, differently taken from a lot of episodes that we've done in the past. Yeah. Uh, We're trying to focus in on Christians studying and being more in depth with their Bible study. Yep. And this, and this will help you because again, uh, I hope that through today's episode, you all learned something cool, right? You yeah, go, oh my yeah. gosh, that thing about Matthew is amazing. Or I didn't know that belief was repeated that many times and the emphasis. And I hope you learned something. But I also hope that this motivates you to go study it more because there's way more in there. Mm, than yeah. than any of us know. There's way more in For there sure. than we have time to talk about. But <clears throat> but you need to go discover it. You need to go read scripture. God gave us this book so that we can know what he says and and what he wants of us and what he says about our relationship with him. And and, and we want this not to just to be uh, fun Christian intellectual entertainment. We yeah, want it yeah. to be a motivator, a catalyst for you to go and become better acquainted with the God you believe in because you're studying his word and you're seeing what he has laid out in there. Yeah, because our goal is to have, help Christians be able to defend their faith and be confident in their faith. But we also want Christians to be able to know and understand their faith, like mm-hmm. grow in their faith, right? Be more in depth with your relationship with the Lord. And Absolutely. the best way to do that is to read the Bible, because that is God's way to communicate with us. Yep. That's what we've got to be doing. So we do hope this has encouraged you. We hope you've learned something, but we hope you're motivated to go out, to open your Bible and to to take an hour or two to get some study done and to look for patterns and to circle repeated words, repeated phrases. And if you find something fascinating, if you find something that you're like, I think this is inclusio, we want to hear about it it on social media because it'll encourage other people and it'll help us all to know God's word better. So let us know that you're doing this and then show us what you're discovering as you go about it, because it really is a fun thing to do. It's awesome to discover what God has written. So, hey, thank you so much for being with us today on Christ, Culture, and Coffee. We will be back next week to continue in our series of context to talk about explanation. We'll see you then. Thanks for listening to Christ, Culture, and Coffee. If you liked this episode, please rate, review, and subscribe to help us reach more people.